Hi, my name is Fritzi Horseman, and welcome to Compassion in Action. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you with Catherine Hervey, the director of The Prison Within, Michael Nelson, one of the um, men in the prison at San Quentin who was in the film, and Troy Williams, who is also in the film and one of the filmmakers. This film premieres on Monday, February 21st, 2022 on Discovery Plus. And I hope you will take a look at the film and listen to this extraordinary conversation. Uh, please listen to this conversation. It was incredible. It, the three of them echo what I talk about all the time, our responsibility for our own violence, our, our need for accountability for who we are in the society and just getting down to the nitty gritty of doing the work. Um, just an extraordinary conversation. So here's a little bit about uh, our three participants, Catherine Hervey, Michael Nelson, and Troy Williams. Catherine Hervey is an award-winning filmmaker whose work focuses on those of us who live in the margins but refuse to be marginalized. The Prison Within, her award-winning first feature film sprung from her work as a Los Angeles public defender and volunteer prison college instructor. The Prison Within premiered at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival, winning Best Social Justice Documentary. In addition, Catherine is a thought leader in the field of criminal justice reform, featured in the Business Insider, The Guardian, Forbes, and other publications, TV and radio shows and podcasts. The Prison Within will also be part of the Compassion Prison Project's Trauma Talks curriculum. We're so excited about that. And now Michael Nelson. While incarcerated from the age of 15, Michael Nelson successfully completed his associate's degree and was certified as a rape crisis counselor. He is co-founder of KidCat and created Acting with Compassion and Truth at San Quentin. Nelson holds his work with KidCat as his responsibility to contribute to restorative work and has dedicated a great deal of his life to the program. And Troy Williams. Troy Williams became a certified paralegal, helped facilitate, participate, and develop the Victim Offender Education Group, Vogue, which we talk about extensively in this um, podcast. Um, for Insight Prison Project, served as executive director of San Quentin's Restorative Justice Interfaith Roundtable, co-founded San Quentin's Financial Literacy Program and FEEL Feel Philosophy, Financial Empowerment, Emotional Literacy, and founded a video production program, um, the award-winning San Quentin Prison Report. Williams spent the last seven years of his incarceration teaching his peers to produce audio and building the media lab now used by Ear Hustle. After paroling in 2014, Williams served on many community boards and councils, has worked as a youth program development specialist and many other um, accolades. In addition to his work as motivational speaker, actor, cinematographer, filmmaker, and audio producer, Williams is the founder and executive director of Restorative Media and was awarded in 2018 a Soros Justice Fellowship where he is working to create a national multimedia platform and community engagement program that will help formerly incarcerated people document their lived experiences and engage the public. Catherine Hervey, Michael Nelson, and Troy Williams, welcome to Compassion in Action. It is so great to have you guys on this show. Um, I saw the, the film Prison Within twice now, and it is fantastic. And just just to add, Prison Within will be part of the curriculum of Trauma Talks, which is going to all prisons in the United States if I have anything to do with it. And so it's part of the curriculum. And what an important film for the people in prison to see, because it's it's all about trauma. It's about restorative justice. It's about claiming your accountability. And it's about finding freedom within the bars and outside the bars. And so it's really an honor to have all three of you here. It, it kind of makes me uh, emotional just saying all this. And um, let's just start with Catherine. Catherine, can you just tell us a little bit about the film, how you got involved with it, what sparked um, you wanting to make this amazing film? And uh, then we'll get to the two incredible men that are also in the film. Sure, sure, I'll keep it brief. Um, you know, uh, uh, this film really springs, of course, from my experience in the fields of criminal justice and restorative justice. I was a public defender. I was a volunteer college instructor. I did a lot of restorative justice stuff inside and outside of prisons. 
Um, but really for me, this film is about the title, The Prison Within, and all of these, you know, these individual and collective prisons that we're constantly building up for ourselves, all around ourselves. I believe because as a collective, we really refuse to believe that all of us, every single one of us, is capable of brutality and harming people and violence. And simultaneously, every single one of us is capable of the most, you know, courageous, beautiful, compassionate, creative acts. Every single one of us, including people in prison, obviously. And what the film does is we watch people do that. We watch people really dive into all of those aspects of themselves. And my hope in making the film was that as we watch them heal and take accountability for themselves, that we as viewers feel inspired to do the same for ourselves as individuals and as a collective. It's so true. Accountability is really it's up for society, um, accountability for slavery, accountability for Jim Crow, uh, accountability for what we've done to our Native Americans, accountability, what we're doing, you know, to the poor people in our society. There's a lot of accountability. And I agree. There's a, there's a quote um, that Jamie said, Jamie, who's no longer with us physically, but as she said, she's going to be with us spiritually. Um, I have yet to meet somebody in prison that wasn't first a victim for most of their life, if not all of their lives. There was so much trauma, chaos, and loss. Um, uh, Troy, could you speak to that? I think the first thing that comes to mind is how um, we as a society only look um, at harm when after somebody has been um, convicted or committed what a, a crime, right? And a lot of times, you know, America does not want to really look at the harms uh, that it has caused and how it has contributed to what we're faced with in our society today, right? Like we have a, a country that was built on the backs of you know, slavery and built on the backs of the destruction of whole, you know, native cultures and civilizations. So um, I think what I like about this film is that it points to that internal conflict that we have inside of how do we reconcile with ways in which we harm whether or not we consider those ways like criminal or otherwise, right? In what ways do we harm that allow us um, to actually help to, to face and take accountability? But accountability is more than just words, it's, it's actions. Like, so what are we doing? Like, what are we actually like physically doing to help sort of rewrite the stigma and the culture in our society as though the only people who can harm are people who have been incarcerated or the only people who can heal are people who haven't been incarcerated right um so i you know that is some of what just comes up in my mind um that is i think is the the beauty of the film is that it it points to it sort of creates this connective tissue um that is i think very very powerful for so many of us to learn and look at. Absolutely. And the work that's being done at San Quentin in the Vogue, V-O-E-G, right? The Vogue program. Um, Michael, you were, um, you seem, you were a leader of the Vogue. You're one of the leaders before you left. You were one of the um, leaders of the Vogue class, um, facilitators. Sorry, that's the word. Um, can you talk about uh, how you got involved with the program and then how you became a facilitator, facilitator. So, yeah, so I, I was invited to participate in this program called Vogue in 2008, and I had no idea what the program was. I wasn't somebody at that time who was heavily involved in programming, nor did I care to be. Um, and it actually came through a, a, a dear friend of mine, uh, Robert, Red Rojo Fry. He has many names. 
Um, and he was a facilitator of the Vogue program. And interestingly enough, he and I were having conflict. And so I was invited to participate in the Vogue program because of our conflict. He thought it would be um, a great opportunity for me to look at whatever was going on inside of me at that time in my life and before that led up to it. And, um, and it just so happened that I was also participating in a program called Kairos. And through Kairos, the spiritual retreat, uh, they, at the time they handed out a bag of cookies. Uh, I think at the time they gave us like 20 cookies and they said, pass them out to folks that, you know, for whatever reason you wanna extend love to them or acknowledge them or whatever. And Red was one of those people. Um, and so when I handed him the cookie, uh, I wanted to just hand it to him and walk away and be done. That was it. And he's like, no, no. Can you tell me why you're choosing me? Uh, and so that opened and I rolled my eyes and stomped my feet a little bit, threw a little tantrum um, and then just spoke it, you know, just worked it out with him. And then that's where the invitation came. Like, hey, do you want to join this program? Uh, sure. Why not? I have no clue what it is. And through, you know, meeting Jamie and for two years, I'm going to try not to cry. Um, uh, meeting Jamie and really getting to know this beautiful soul, uh, this this person who really shook the ground beneath me and questioned everything that I thought I knew about the world, um, not only being a witness to her and how she showed up, but also calling me into spaces of myself that I wasn't aware of, um, including that I was hurt. Right, including what you're saying earlier, the line that you picked from the movie from her, that I was hurt, that hurt people do hurt people. And I'd never made that connection. I just told myself this narrative that I was a bad person and therefore I did a bad thing because I'm a bad person and that I'm not lovable because that's what I grew up thinking because of the actions that were taken against me uh, and that I'm not worthy of love. And so for her to really see me and to really hold me in ways that I've never been held before really opened me up to this really huge and deep experience for two years of being in this circle, this community of folks that were also on the, their journeys of doing their work of, of, you know, what I learned in that, that program was really seeking truth within themselves. And so it really resonated with me. It landed with me in so many ways, that experience and the community that I grew into. And obviously Jamie, um, she is still one of my big life teachers. Um, and so this, the work, as we call it, really worked for me. And so I drank the Kool-Aid. Um, you know, I really bought into it. And I was like, I need more of this. And more importantly, with the gifts that I've been given from Jamie, from the program, from the, all the people involved through those two years, I have a responsibility to be a part of this process and now gifting it to other folks. Because that is my responsibility, you know, uh, reach one, teach one. And so... Um, I really got involved with the Vogue program, uh, and not only with the program, but really with the values and the principles of what I was becoming to learn about restorative justice and what that meant and what that meant for me, uh, you know, with that compassionate accountability and with that accountability, really like liberating myself from, you know, even the term victim, you know, not seeing myself as a victim, but seeing myself as somebody that was hurt and now I have capacity uh, to change how I walk in this world and really empowering every step of the way. Um, so, yeah, so through that experience, it really opened up my eyes and my heart um, to the journey of what started off as Vogue. And you were right, Catherine. You speak a lot. There was a lot of words. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I also, I just want to add to that because I really appreciate you bringing up Jamie is that Jamie was really, you know, like I, I had this concept of the prison within, which I kind of detailed before. And then I found this interview with Jamie and that's really what sparked it from there because in this interview, she's, she spoke about, you know, the brutality of the crime against her. And then in that same interview, and these were her words that she had written, she said, after years and years and years and years and years of therapy, I really began to see the violence in myself from that trauma and began to wonder, am I really that different from the people that harmed me? And I saw it there, right there. That is the juice. That is that honesty. That is that vulnerability. That is the prison within. And she is diving in and not afraid to go in there. And so everything kind of sprung from, from Jamie, really. Right. The victim, the victim 
learns about violence. The victim is exposed to violence. We come in as an innocent, perfect human, and then, um, and we still are, I would argue. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't go away just because we do something wrong or we say something bad. But um, that violence, we learn about that violence and the rage, the rage that she also talks about the rage that comes up, you know, after you've been victimized over and over again. And, you know, that's what prisons are filled with are victims and more victims are created because of this childhood trauma. Um, I just want to say one more quote that um, it starts, it's at the beginning of the film and it says trauma is the catalyst that begins the recurring cycle of crime and violence as we lock away what we don't want to confront. What, uh, what if sentence, because that is it. We don't, we don't want to look at what was done. What, what happened to you? We want just, we just want to say what's wrong with you. And, um, and thank you for, for really diving into that. And Troy, in the film, in your, in the film, you were, um, you were walking in the fields and just, you know, thinking about your time in prison and, um, what is the greatest gift that prison ever gave to you? That's a trick question. Um, I, I would not say that prison gave me a gift. I would say that people I encountered gave me a gift. Um, I, 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 to me, it is a shame that so many of us wind up in prison um, and that the resources that we actually needed so long before we ever got to prison were not there. Um, but to walk inside, to be inside, um, even just like how Michael, you know, mentioned Rojo, mentioned Red, right? Like to be inside and to be around men who uh, knew how to, the subtle ways to have you look within your own self, um, uh, and then how you take what they gave you and you transfer that to other people and other places in your lives. I think that that that, that is a gift. You know, um, I was a, I was a person who began participating in Vogue. Um, and my my whole reason for going to Vogue was because um, I needed some language to take into the boardroom because the board wasn't seeing who I was. Therefore, I was going to go strategically get this language uh, from participating in this group so I can walk into the boardroom and they could see who I was and actually what I what I end up getting from my participation is actually a whole lot of insight um, into um, my own behaviors and causative factors and looking into the reasons why I chose the lifestyle I did you know it, it just I was thinking about when you were asking the question earlier, and it's like, um, we have a society that's filled not, not just with people who like are victims, but people who have learned coping strategies to deal with their victimization, right? And sometimes sometime we get stuck in that. And, and I just really had to take an honest look at that. What, I, what worked for me at 14 to deal with the violence around me was not particularly working, you know, as a 40 year old man, you know, as uh, uh, when I started to get actually involved in programs, right? Um, that, that was not like working for me. And so two of my releases, one was participating in these self-help groups and the other, you know, was the film, you know, um, when Catherine came into the prison, I was pretty much the resident filmmaker inside and it was it was my sworn duty to make sure that these people who were coming in to film us and tell our stories um that i was to make sure that they had good intent you know and if they didn't i was going to sound the alarm to the population to look out for these people who only want to come and um extract our stories and not give back to our community right um and so when I met Catherine, you know, of course, I saw the good in what she was trying to do. Um, and I would just show up and 
hold a boom pole or point a camera or, you know, what, what, how can I be involved in this project? And ultimately I was paroled and then took on a greater role, you know, on the outside. So when I'm actually sitting in that field, looking over at San Quentin, I am, all of that is running through my mind. You know, all of that is running through my mind and to be able to cherish the freedom on this side of the wall that, that people I knew deserved and need to be home to help on this side of the wall fix their community did not have that, you know, ability. Um, and some of them still don't. Yes, I, I have so many things I want to talk about with, with what are the things you said. You went into the Vogue pro program to get the language, but you actually got the the juice you got the the goods i got the goods yeah vogue actually <laughs> helped train transform your life it took Absolutely. you to, it took you to the next place which is but it's 70 weeks is that correct is that what i'm hearing it's 70 well, weeks i guess that's depending on what group you was in i think michael then probably had the longest reigning group in the history of vogue <laughs> so but that, i think that's relative um it started off as like Mike, you know more about the history than I do. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but it was either between 12 and 16 weeks was oh. the original vote. Yeah. And then it ended up, you know, there's so much. There's so much goodness. You know, there's so much there to unravel and explore and to love and to challenge and to face and all that. And so, you know, especially me as a facilitator, as you can tell here, you know, there's a lot going on. And so, you know, ours would run way past two years. Um, and there was no end in sight. Like I, I was somebody who was like, we're not going to put a destination on this, you know, because these are people's lives and people's stories that we're holding. Um, and so it's, it's going to be whatever it is, uh, however long we need to take with it. Um, and that was, that was my approach uh, because that was the approach that I was given from Jamie. Right. You know, we're here to take our time with you because you deserve that. Um, you deserve that. And, so, and, yeah. and, and that's a, that's a thought, right? Because like, like, my time frame to understand what is going on with me is not the same time frame as Michael's or the same time frame as uh, Catherine's, right? Like we each are gonna be awoken to certain things in a particular, in our own particular time frame. And when you have a, a group that is becomes this incubator of safety and vulnerability and uh, you know and you know connection. You want to hold on to that because that's 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 the juice. Like that is what is allowing people to dig deep. And for me, it was watching my um, fellow men inside of that prison, including uh, facilitators, model and be the examples of of emotional intelligence. So I have two questions. The first is: there's a three year waiting list. So like you talk about this incubation and you want to continue ex expand this, you know, expand this time where we need to um, really delve into our stories, which I agree. But then what about the, the, all the hundreds of guys that are waiting? I mean, I mean, that's one of the problems I see with CDCR on, and prisons is there's just not enough programming. There's not enough time. There's not enough resources. And, um, but to pivot to another question, when you do this work, this incredible work, you're breaking down your resistance and you're breaking down, you're becoming vulnerable. Is that an okay thing to happen in a prison? And, and you know, I'm, I weigh this every time because I, you know, my work at Compassion Prison Project is to show people their trauma and that they're wonderful people. And the only way to heal is to be safe. But if you're safe in the group, but that you go into a prison environment, can you help me figure this out? So, so vulnerability, um, as I learned, uh, and as I walk in my life now, is not a weakness. It is actually the greatest strength that you can have, right? Because I don't have to fear what someone is going to think or say about me because I am secure in who I am. Right. And I understand that if somebody comes up to me and they're shouting, they're screaming, they're upset. I understand that they're coming from a place of pain and not a place of personal insult. And so I don't have to take it in that fashion. And so being able to walk in that in that light actually helped prevent me from 
socking a lot of people in their face like I used to do. But okay, but I, is that vulnerability or is that growth? I mean, that I mean, I think being able to know that this isn't about me, that I'm not getting triggered, is a different thing. Here, here's, here's the vulnerability part. Okay. The vulnerability part is that I am able to go within myself and understand that when something is happening, I'm understanding my feelings. I understand what's happening for me, and I am not afraid to communicate that. See what happened. What would happen before is that I wouldn't communicate my fear. I wouldn't communicate what was going on with me. I would hold it in and I would buffalo out because that is what I saw as a protective, as a protection method. I don't have to. I don't have to. I can acknowledge that I'm afraid. That don't mean I'm gonna let you touch me or whoop me or put your hands on me. But I might be. I might actually be afraid in this moment. Right. And I might actually need to. And, and because I'm able to identify with my own fears, I'm also able to see somebody else's fears. And the growth is my ability to be able to communicate that. So I, that's the way the way my mind works around it. That's the way I and, and Michael may have his own process or Catherine may have their own process. But that works for me. No, so this I, is in, please. Yes. Yeah. So I'm thinking about um, what you're saying earlier about showing people their trauma. And from my experience of going through Vogue and with Jamie and Red and everyone else, it wasn't, the focus wasn't so much about showing me my trauma. It was about really showing me my resiliency, right? And so I think it's how we look at it and the approach that we take um, and how we frame it, right? So, you know, I think about the first exercise in Vogue, which is the crime impact statement. And it's about writing your crime out in great detail. And there's five prompts to this exercise. And the last one being, what would bring you healing? And I remember I was the only one out of, I think it was 14 out of us to begin with in our circle that said, I don't know. Like I didn't have this great answer. You know, everybody's answer I think was pretty much about giving back, you know, making amends, being of service. And that just didn't resonate with me at that time. And my honest answer was, I don't know. Um, and I remember like, like holding myself waiting for the impact of the feedback that I was about to receive from everybody. Um, and the first words, you know, and typically in spaces like that, you know, the, the, the go-to is thank you for your share, you know, is very generous and, you know, the go-to things that we say. And instead Jamie said, that's okay. Just two simple words. That's okay. And what I learned from that experience was it is okay. Like I showed up exactly how I needed to show up and what I was capable of in that moment. And it was okay. And there wasn't any, you know, violence or action that was taken against me that was harmful and it was okay. And I was held and supported. And from that, it really helped me see in my ability to show up however I needed to show up, which then led me to do, like we talked about before this call, you know, start a, a youth offender program, KitKat. Start ACT, which is a program for incarcerated gay, bi, and transgender folks. Like I, you know, as somebody who is gay inside of prison is also a vulnerable way to live 100% of the time, right? And what something like Vogue did for me was like Troy said earlier, it, it did give me language. It's just like taking college courses in prison. We learn new language. We learn new things. And from that safe container, that safe space, we then take it out of the space, Right. So then you hear guys in the shower talking about some philosopher they learned about in college versus, you know, drama on the yard. Right. It changes the culture. Uh, and so I think what I saw and from my own experiences, vulnerability was safe here. And then we made it safe out here, which then helped the rest of the population. The three years when I was there was an eight year waiting list. So for the hundreds of people that aren't getting access, we are the vessels like we are the ones that carry the message. Right. So that's what that's what I was thinking of. Vulnerability. Vulnerability begins with here. It begins here. And then, you know, from here, we can then expand out, out around us. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Chat. Very awkwardly put what he said. <laughs> the reason I ask this is a lot of therapists are really are really tentative on on opening these. They call them cans of worms. And I'm like, well, walking to imprison walking into a prison is opening a bigger can of worms than you'll ever do by uh, addressing a trauma. Um, but I, I want to, I want to get to Catherine and I want to talk about Dion and her story, because I think I remember leaving 
um, the first time I saw that film, your film. And I remember leaving thinking, wow, here is a gun carrying, she called herself a gun carrying, you know, red, you know, diehard. And by the end of the film, by the end of her journey, you know, have after her, her husband, who is a, a, an officer gets killed and she's, you know, she's fighting for the death penalty. Now she wants to end the death penalty. Can you talk about how you found her and, you know, that evolution? What an amazing story. Um, I believe I found her through Jamie once I started speaking to Jamie and Jamie said, Hey, this woman Dion recently contacted IPP. You should get in touch with her. And I, you know, of, of course I kept with the story with her so much because, you know, she's just the same. She's just the same as Troy and Michael, you know, and I, I, I really wanted to make those parallels in the film, right? Is that she, she was causing harm, right? She was causing harm to herself, to other people, to, you know, to her community, to her, to, to other communities by pressing so strongly for the death penalty, right? And, you know, even if you believe in the death penalty, I still think you can see that it was causing a lot of pain and anguish in her and other people, right? And, you know, it wasn't working. And so what did she do? She dove into, you know, utter vulnerability and depression and really looking at herself within that. And I really latched onto her story because that was so important to me to show, you know, we're all survivors before we harm other people. And I wanted to show her story of healing, right? From harm to her own redemption alongside those of the men in the film because that's not how we see it as a, as a society, right? We see her as, well, one, first a victim, which I, which I don't think she is, she's a survivor. And that also that the criminal justice system, you know, gave her what she needed, which is, as we all know, is 100% not the case either. Um, that what she needed to do was heal just as Troy, just as Michael, just as Sane, just as every, just as Jamie, just as everybody in the film needs to do, and just as we need to do as well. It's so true. And I think the criminal justice system is, um, is an instinct. It's built on instincts of fight or flight instincts. So someone harms you, you want to harm them back. That's just, that's just how we are. You get pushed in, in the subway, you want to push someone back. And so harm creates more harm unless, and it's, you know, the, the biology of it is we're in our, our brainstem, we're in fight or flight. And when we stay in fight or flight, that's what we do. We either fight or we flight. Um, and, and when we, when we heal or when we take a breath, when we get into our cortex, that's where we realize that the criminal justice system doesn't work. That's where we realize that hurting hurting somebody doesn't work. I mean, you see how devastated everybody in that film is for the harm that they've caused, including D Dion, mm -hmm. um, every single man and, and woman is mortified by their violence, by their own internal violence. And, and yet there's room for it. There's room for the violence because with Michael, he didn't know, right? He didn't know. And yet, and Jamie gave him that room to find a way. And um, that's, that's kind of the grace of your film is you really allow us to love these men. I mean, when Sam gets out, I just cried <laughs> because you could just see how he was so destroyed or I can't remember the guy who, who's, um, who was sent swimming with a rope around his, his waist. Very. Barry. Barry, I mean, and he wanted to hurt his father because his father hurt him. And that rage got transferred to, you know, the Mexicans or to that event. Mm -hmm. 
But I love, I love your theme it, and it's so correct. And it's so, it's, I would say this film has a chance to transform society if everybody saw it and really got what you're talking about. I hope so. I mean, I, you know, I, I feel, I feel the same way. I feel like this film is so necessary right now because, you know, one, speaking of violence, you know, of course we all know the criminal justice system is, is a system of violence, right? And really I would even say all the systems that we live in are systems of violence, you know, beginning when we are schooled as, as young children, right? And the way that we learn things, it's all very black and white. And right now I feel we're really in a time within our culture of finger pointing and um, cancel culture, you know, whatever you want to call it, it is not pretty out there. It is not pretty out there. And everyone is pointing the finger out and not at themselves. And I feel like what this film shows is, you know, people who have had their fingers pointed at themselves, you know, their entire lives pointing the fingers, pointing the fingers inward and doing such deep healing and that's what we need. That's what we need so badly right now in our culture. So thank you for that. And, you know, yes, I made the film, but yes, I agree. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I should be more humble, but I really want people to see. I really want people to witness Troy and Michael and Sane and Barry and Dion and Jamie because they're so deep. They go so deep within themselves. And I don't think that we see that often enough. And from my experience, I walk into prison and it is in a sense a monastery. There's, there's a strange quietness, but there's also a lot of work being done um, and a lot of vulnerability and a lot of, it's extraordinary actually. It's, and you don't see it in normal life. And it's almost like, you know, if you believe in karma or you believe in, I don't know, evolution, it's almost as if wise people were abused as children to commit crimes, to go do the work to heal our society. I mean, I really think that prisons are the place where healing is happening. Mm -hmm. Troy, what do you think? Um, I think we need to get some of that healing in um, Washington. <laughs> and uh and our schools and you know the, i guess the thing that comes up for me is that um a lot of times when we do these talks there is always um the talk of going into the 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 subtle areas of where people are marginalized and disenfranchised and going into those areas and, you know, giving back or doing those areas that help those people grow, right? And we all acknowledge that that we live in a society that were, you know, of how this country came to be and how the power structure and how unjust, you know, our criminal justice system can actually be. Um, and, 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 and I say this because, and I also, I say this, but I, I never want to also take away from the acknowledgement of my own personal harms, right? That I have caused and contributed. So I, I always I always hold that for myself and in my heart. And at the same time, I think that some of this work has to get to these, our district attorneys. Like some of this work has to get to some of our leadership um, in our schools and our criminal justice system so that they can really get a look at the harm that they're causing and how this harm is creating this perpetual cycle of harm and violence that is going around um, in our society, right? So what, that's what comes up for me is I, I want to emphasize the, the both ends of the spectrum of, 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 of where this work is needed. So. Absolutely. I always say, you know, Donald Trump's traumatized, Biden's traumatized, um, Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell, they're all traumatized. I mean, you can you can just see it the way they behave with each other and the way that they um, they're in fight or flight. They're not in their cortex. Nobody in Washington is in their cortex. 
So you're absolutely right. But also teachers, um, you know, teachers are on the front lines of, of, of trauma. They're seeing trauma every day and they don't even understand what it is and what it's doing, what it's doing to them, but it's also how it shows up in the children that they're working on. So, um, but, you know, everybody in prison wants to get back to the youth, right? I mean, whether you like it or not, we're still getting to this conversation <laughs> because I agree. I agree on this side of the spectrum in Washington and the leaders and the, I'd say Jeff Bezos and Erlen, Elon Musk, are, they're all traumatized. You know, they wouldn't be so greedy if they, if they felt full and complete, they wouldn't need all this, all of this. But the theme I get from everybody when I visit prison is I want to help the youth. How can I do that? And what, what are your suggestions on, on for the people in prison, but also for us out, out of prison? Um, let's start with Michael and go back to Troy. Uh, I think it goes back to what we've been talking about here is like, help yourself first, right? Like I always tell people like, you can't help anybody else if you're not helping yourself. Because if, if you're empty, like you're talking about, if you're full and complete, like if you're running on empty or you're, if you're filled with shame, and guilt and unresolved trauma, then that's what you have to give. That's what your cup overfloweth with. Um, so I always tell people, start with yourself, help yourself. You know, I was telling you about Kit Kat earlier and our big vision was to give back to you. Um, and yet there was so much infighting with our core group at the beginning. And we had so much conflict and all that. And I'm like, how are we supposed to help other people? We can't even be in spaces together. Um, you know, as an example. So it really starts with the individual. And recently on another call, I think a number of us were attacked <laughs> in a way. And I say this with love. This is a, a friend of mine um, who lives in a different country and said that, you know, because we were talking about the work for self, like really doing that self-work. And we were told that as Americans, you know, we're very individualistic and we only think about the self and all that. And I'm like, well, that's where it actually begins. You know, as a half Japanese person, a lot of people use Japan as an example of being community focused, right? Being whole focused. And yet there's so many suicides and premature deaths because people can't get into the right university or there's so much pressure and expectation. And so we're, like, there needs to be this balance. Um, you know, it can't be one or the other. And for me and my experience, I know that if I didn't focus on myself, and we're not talking about being selfish here in the, the context that I think we think about it. It's about being self-focused, right? About looking at self. So you talk about fight or flight or freeze. Like I, I talk about the fourth F, which is face. You know, we need to do more facing. Um, you know, the more that I'm able to face myself, to look into that mirror uh, and to see all the parts of myself that need support, that need healing, that, that need accountability, that need challenge, whatever it is, the more that I can then fill myself up with the things that I need um, and then give back. If my cup overfloweth with love and compassion and kindness and accountability and all that, then that's what I have to offer. Um, so I know that doesn't answer exactly what you're asking as far as examples of giving back to you. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of the times, and I, and I say this for incarcerated people as well as somebody who was incarcerated, um, you know, to give back to youth, I think that's the right answer, right? That's the go-to answer. That's the one that folks want to hear. Um, and so that's that's one of our main answers that we give. We want to give back to the kids. Right. What I hear under that is the kid in you needs to be given to. <laughs> like, that's the one. Like, start there. The 15-year-old in me, the 13-year-old, the 9-year-old, the 5-year-old, like all those pivotal moments in life that I felt really traumatized and pain. Like that's the kid that needs to be given to, right, first. So that way from that place, you can then give to the others. Uh, but that's really where it starts. That's really where it starts for me. I think you're so right. And I, I, I always say it's that little boy that needs healing. That's why they so want to give it. They want to heal their little boy as a, pro as a proxy. The, 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 out, the external boy is the proxy for their own little boy. You're absolutely right. And it's just like very earlier, like you're talking about he wanted to hurt his dad because his dad hurt him. He didn't really want to hurt his dad. He wanted to feel loved by his dad. He wanted right. to feel accepted by his dad, yeah. right? He wanted to be embraced by his dad. And that's the little boy in him speaking, right? So if we can tap more into those spaces, not that he wanted to hurt his dad, but he wanted to feel loved. 
You know, he wanted to feel cared for. Um, and that's a really, really real, like real deep need for any human being. And, and what Sam does, and he talks about, he says, I say, I love you to my grandchild every day. And wow, right? That because he's giving himself that love because he's giving it to his son. And you're right. You know, what you give, you receive and what you receive, you give. It's so true. Troy, were you going to say something about this? Or I, mean, I would only echo um, and, and just in my own words, what Michael has already like said, like, um, and that was one of the lessons that I got from the men's inside is self family, then community. If you haven't taken care of yourself, how can you take care of your family? And if you ain't taking care of your family, how can you say you're taking care of the community? Right. And so things have to flow in that order. Right. Um, and, and, and it is, and to a degree, you have to be, I know for myself coming home, my thought, my, my frame of mind was that um, if I can't, like, I had to be a little selfish in the regards that uh, I had to be, mommy, you know, this is going to be a podcast and they're going to get you out of there looking crazy. <laughs> that's my mother that's my mother she's just love you mama <laughs> so y'all gotta cut her out no okay no but uh, but I think that's that's what it is you know um, I, I said to myself that I couldn't I could not go back um in time and undo the harm for myself, but I surely can, I know the roadblocks and I surely can step out and point to the roadblocks to try to remove them roadblocks from the youth that I know are headed in that direction. Um, I, I would tell the men inside and women inside that how you live in there is how you gonna live out here. The same program that I had inside is my program out here. My yard is bigger, right? Um, I, I see my little homies or something going on. I used to go walk the track with them, right? Have them conversations with them. And I participated in groups, college, education, um, self-help groups, creating programs, facilitating programs, participating in programs. That's how I'm living, right? So you have to build the life you want to live now. It's all of, everything that you want. You're giving back. You're working with kids. All of that is going to come. I agree with Michael 100%. You start with yourself. And once you figure out the breadcrumbs of how to get back to the morals and values and integrity that you know you lost along the way, then you can, you can, then breadcrumbs can lead other people to that. And, and you're, you, you will, you absolutely will be doing that when you return to the street. But if you're not living that life in there, then I don't know how you're going to do it out here. If you're not, and by that, I mean, being an example of being in your, being the, the voice of reason and the voice of logic in your, in the circles that you involve yourself in. And if you, and if, if I'm just like in there, just like out here, if I'm around people who aren't trying to like do the right thing or be on, you know, the, the straight and narrow path, then I'm not in their company for long. Right. And that, and that's my walk. And, and, and that's what it is for me. That's my um, mama back there again. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to be on the podcast. Right. Mama, you want to be on camera? Come here. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, I have a question for you. Um, what was the, what was one of the biggest lessons or takeaways that you've had during this work, during the creating of this film? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, it was such a process, <laughs> you know, it, it took me really about six years to make the film. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, I like, I'm so happy right now. I haven't, spoken with Troy or Michael in so long, you know, like, like now on this podcast, again, I'm learning so much from them, you know, um, you know, with what, what's coming to mind is, 
people always kind of say like, oh, now Catherine, you're an expert in restorative justice, right? You've made this film, you've done all this work. What have you learned? How can we replace our punitive criminal justice system with restorative justice? You know, and I just, you know, I feel like slow down, slow down. Like that's such a big question. And that again, it's not going to happen because it's made up of us because it's made up of us as, you know, very fallible human beings. Right. And that if I can't really learn to fully love myself and act from my heart and, you know, get along with my small family or my small community, um, on a more consistent or a daily basis, then how are we going to change these big systems? And I think what I really learned in that is that we we're not separate. We think that we're separate from these systems that are operating all around us. And we're not, we created them. We're implicit in them. And that if we want to change them, don't be a part of it. Don't think like that. <laughs> you know, don't think from here, think from here, think from your heart, right? And that in doing this, you know, this has more power in many ways than, um, you know, knocking on the halls of justice, you know, with violence and saying, let me in. And I know what it, I know what I'm doing here. I'm going to change things. I know what needs to change. You know, watch out for that. We're doing it. We're doing it right now all four of us and we just need to continue doing it and being and living. Yeah. And it's the Gandhi quote, right? Be the change you want to see in the world. Right. It, and it, it resonates in the film, but, and it also resonates just with you because you keep, you keep coming back to the same as like, I am responsible for the criminal justice system. I'm responsible for everything, which is true. And just to, you know, trauma, what the, one of the things, one of the, symptoms of trauma is it separates us. It makes us feel like we're not part of the whole. And that's, um, that's such a key thing to notice. Cause if we're all traumatized, we do feel separate and we do want retribution. We do want punishment. And so it's, it's in our healing, not only of ourselves, but of each other that we can, we can return to the, the unity that we, from whence we came. Yes, that's always there too, you know, <laughs> all there. We're living in all of it. We have to hold all of it, the good and the bad. Yeah. Right. The duplicity and the unity. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Michael, what's alive for you right now? Yeah, just thinking about. Um, I mean, everything that Catherine is speaking on, um, she, you know, Catherine's like a soul friend of mine. And so whenever, whenever Catherine speaks, I just feeling it and connecting and just like doing this. Um, yeah, I, being a human, uh, it's hard work and there's so much to hold. And I think a lot of times it can feel really out of control and helpless and, um, and like, where do you begin? You know, and as, as a post-incarcerated person, there was, you know, an external and an internal expectation that I would get out of prison and that I would be one of the faces and voices of criminal justice reform and tearing down the system. Um, and I realized that, that that's just not my approach. That doesn't align with me. Um, I'm not somebody who's going to be out here saying, the system's bad, tear it down. I'm gonna be somebody who's acknowledging my participation in the system. I committed a harm. I committed a crime. Therefore, I contributed to that system. Um, and it really does start with how I think, with how I feel, what I believe, what values I hold. And the question that you asked earlier, earlier about gratitudes from prison, I have I say this so often, but I have so much to be grateful for. I'm, you know, I am somebody who is alive. There is somebody in this world who is not alive because of my actions. I am somebody who is alive. With that comes great privilege. With that comes great responsibility. I never forget that. I never forget that. I never allow myself to forget that. And I don't walk in this world with a deep shame. I don't allow it to hold myself back, but I acknowledge. There's a deep acknowledgement there. 
And with that acknowledgement, you know, this acceptance, like this really deep acceptance that, yes, I'm a whole person. I'm very complex. I'm very layered. Um, and just in that itself, like there's so much to hold in that. And I can't hold the world. Like Catherine was saying earlier, like it's scary out there. Like it felt safer in prison. Like it's scary out here. Um, you know, it's a very, there's so much going on and to, you know, to, to be here in the place that I'm in now and to try to think that I can hold all of that. It's not realistic. It's not realistic. And then I just perpetuate like that whole thing, right? That whole feeling helpless and scared and not knowing what to do. And then I curl up in my little ball and then stay in my bubble and don't go out. Um, and so what I do is focus on what I have control over. And that starts with me. That starts with my my smaller circles. That starts with my communities. That's what I can do. That's what I can do. And if we all, like every every single individual in the world could focus on what they can do and not what they can't do, but what they can do, how much more, how much more possibility there would be, right? How much more possibility? And you brought up Trump. I'm not political. I'm just going to say that right now. Like, I don't have a political view. I don't know Trump, so I don't have like any personal like beef with him. Um, but if I were speaking from just a human perspective, I would say he's an idiot. Like just the stuff that comes out of his mouth, right? From the human perspective. Um, but when I go deeper and I think about him, I do see that traumatized person, right? I do see that hurting person. And then I think about all the people who gave him so much energy, right? Not only did they give him so much energy, they denied their own. Like they kept denying themselves by focusing on him and everything that he said and everything that he did or didn't do instead of looking at themselves. Like right now, I might feel scared. I might feel vulnerable right now. I feel unsafe. I feel I, things don't make sense for me. So instead, if we all did that as an example in times where, you know, things feel scary, if we all took the time to pause and go in, like, right, when the, the film itself, the title itself, The Prison Within, right? We are walking prisons. We are walking prisons. And if we can spend more time going into prison, like really going into our prisons, the more than free we become. And that's a big learning for me in prison. I became more free in prison. That's where I felt the most free before I got free. That's where it started. And so if we could all do that. M Michael, I, I think you hit it on the, you hit the nail on the head. It's really, there's nothing we can do. We can't like end criminal justice today, but we can, we can end the violence that we're contributing to in the system, which is what brings it back to what Catherine is saying. It's it really all begins with us. And, um, you know, I, I really want to share this video with the people in prison as well. I think this is a really important video for them to see. Um, Troy, what's alive for you right now? Uh, I think I'm just um, soaking in the moment. Um, I think I'm just actively choosing to be in the moment right now of the wisdom that's been shared. Um, and it resonates, right? It, it resonates that, that we focus on self um, and that if more of us in the world can do that and I'm it's not an easy like it's easy to say you know and I, I always I've said this like a thousand times I, I was more afraid to look in than I was at the opposite end of somebody pointing the AK-47 at my chest I, I was more afraid to dig deep down inside so I know it's not an easy task and yet when you get to um Almost said like the other side, but I, I don't I don't want to say it like I've arrived somewhere, you know, because it's still a destination. But when you get, I guess, past that first chapter of fear, it's really a beautiful journey. You know, it's it's really a beautiful journey. Um, and I, I think that's what's alive for me right now. It's just a I wake up every day with gratitude. Like at my first thought before I get out of bed. Is, is gratitude. I consciously say that and think that to myself before I get out of bed. And if I don't, I go get back in bed and do it again, because I always want to wake up grateful that I am in the position that I'm in. I'm free. I'm in society. 
my mind works right. Um, my limbs work. Um, and every day I wake up, I get to do something good. I get to like enjoy a piece of life, you know? Um, and I just think that that's just a beautiful place to be in. Yeah, that's what's alive for me. Thank you for that. Catherine, um, before I ask you what's alive in you, I, I also just wanted to bring this one sentence that came out of, I forget, I forget who said it, but the cause of the cause of the cause of the cause. And, you know, that the cause of the crime started centuries before we have no idea that crime today. And, and so, you know, the feeling of the healing 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 is also possible. And I just wanted, before we left, I really wanted to just bring that out and have you comment on it and then find out what's alive in you. <laughs> well, what's coming to mind is um, what I learned recently from, from Michael, right? You know, the, the, the film is Hurt People, Hurt People, which is the cause of the cause of the cause of the cause of the cause. And what Michael says is that healed people, healed people, healed people, healed people. And... I love that so much. <laughs> and I think that, you know, that is what is alive for me right now is um, that is where we need to be. You know, we need to be as a society and as individuals, you know, and it sounds corny, but we need to be in our hearts. We need to be in our hearts. You know, I know when I'm in my heart and I know when I'm not in my heart, I know the difference. I know the way I speak, I know the way I move, I know the way I feel. It's um, it's tangibly, tangibly, tangibly different. And um, yeah, I just, you know, the, you know, I'm just feeding off of the wisdom of Troy and Michael and just everything that's being said right now. So yeah, thank you to everyone. Wonderful. Something? Sorry. Yeah. Use that more quiet. Um, so we, when, when I hear cause of the cause of the cause of the cause, I think Sonia said that in the film, if I'm correct. Um, she and I also talk about in a different way the four reallys, like what's really, really, and really, 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 and so on and so forth, the cause. Um, but what I think about is earlier uh, when you're talking about how we all come into this world perfect and innocent or, you know, the words that you use. And when I think about the cause of the cause of the cause of the cause, I think we don't, we don't just come into this world blank. We come with, when we talk about intergenerational trauma and the stuff that gets passed down to us, we already come holding that into this world. We already have so much to hold. So going back to earlier, what we we're talking about, like we have enough as individuals, right? We, we already overflow with the stuff that we could work on and face and heal and do all that. Um, and so it made me think of that. Like we're already welcomed into this world with so much to hold. And then we're asked and required to then hold all this. Like, it's just too much. It's too much. There's so much expectation that's placed on us and then by us. Like, give ourselves a break, right? Let's acknowledge all that we hold as individuals. You know, then we can talk about, like, all these other things that make individuals individuals. Like, you know, because I have my experiences and Troy has his experiences and you all. And that doesn't mean that we have the same experiences, right? So there's individual experiences that make us individuals, um, but we all hold so much. Like, and that's, that's enough. Like, that's enough to hold, you know, and to give ourselves a break and to give ourselves a lot of grace, you know, in our process and our journeys of healing. Uh, the only tweak that I would make, and I have made that statement, I would say healing people heal people. You know, not healed because then that does speak to like a destination or an outcome. I'm not there. I don't think I ever will be. I hope not. Um, but I feel like, you know, once we are on this journey, that is the path that we are on for life. You know, and it never ends. I, I That's the big hope for me, that that journey never ends. And so I don't see myself as a healed person because I'm very human. You know, I'm, I'm showing up this way now and then, you know, 10 minutes from now, something might trigger me and then <laughs> I might use some colorful language and then go, oh, what was that? What was that trigger? And then do the exploration of it. Um, but that's the beauty of the process and the journey that is just ongoing. Right. But yeah, give ourselves a break. And, and give each other a break. You yeah. know, like I really, 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 really believe 
everyone on this planet right now, like even people doing atrocious things to each other right now are doing the best they can at this moment. Like I really, it's intrinsic within us as human beings to show up the best that we can right now, even, even when we're in our worst. And I, I think if we could have that lens, you know, every morning when we wake up and go out into the world, Whew, it'd be a much more pleasant world to walk around in. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, uh, Catherine, I want, I want you to, before we end, I want you to tell about your film, where we can see it, um, how we can tune in. And I just want to thank you all for this incredible conversation. Um, so tell us, tell us what, where, what we can expect. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Um, so it's The Prison Within is coming out on Discovery Plus 20, um, February 21st, so Monday, which is very exciting. So if you have Discovery Plus, you can stream it. It's still also available, though, on Amazon, um, Apple TV, Voodoo, Tubi, all of the things, really all of the things. And if you go to our website, theprisonwithin.org, you can find pretty much all of the channels that it's there. Or when you just Google it, it'll kind of all come up as well. Awesome. I highly recommend this film. Um, the wisdom, it's the wisdom within as well as the prison within. It's There's so much to take away from this hour and a half. And I highly recommend it. And I want to thank Troy and Michael and Catherine for this extraordinary conversation. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for hosting. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Catherine Hervey, Troy Williams and Michael Nelson. Um, these three humans are thought leaders and just listening, I could listen to Michael talk all day Please tune in on February 22nd, 2022 on Discovery Plus and watch this extraordinary film, The Prison Within. If you like this podcast and YouTube presentation, please subscribe and comment and share this podcast. And please go to our website at compassionprison.org and share Step Inside the Circle. And if you have the means, please donate to our foundation. We really need help supporting bringing our mission of creating trauma-informed prisons and communities throughout the United States and abroad. Thank you again for watching, and I'll see you next time.